Arizona's news station. KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. Just a, a, a terrible, horrific story that evolved. It started last night, Pamela, where maybe many of you initially heard that there was a call. Phoenix Fire and Phoenix Police were called to a home. Initially, it was a potential drowning or near drowning of three children. We now know that that is not what happened. It was not an accident because Phoenix Police is telling us that the mother has admitted that she killed her three-year-old, two-year-old, and seven-month-old child. About 7.30 last night, officers responded to a residence in the area of 25th Street and Vineyard. Uh, it was an unknown trouble call. Uh, those calls typically, you know, we don't really have a lot of information to go on. So when officers responded, they saw, uh, you know, three adults and they went inside that residence and they were, they, that's when they observed the three young children um, that were unresponsive. Yeah, so you have three adults at the home. You have mom, you have dad, and you have another relative. And you have three children who are dead, a three-year-old, a two-year-old, and a seven-month-old. What happened? We, we don't know. Other than right now, mom has told police that she did it. Once we, it was decided that there was uh, no other medical treatment that, would, that could be given to the children, uh, you know, at that, that moment, that's when the scene becomes a crime scene. And so we treated it as a death investigation originally. And now that uh, investigators have had an opportunity to speak to everyone that's involved, uh, the mother admitted to causing the death of her children. I, I have no words. Um, these are the stories that suck having to, to tell you about, but it's happening in our community. Mm-hmm. It's happening to this family. And while we try so, so hard to find out why, I, I don't know if we ever really will. Because I can't, I'm a mom. I'm a mom. And and I think. And I don't know, like, you're going to have to kill me before you hurt my kid. Right. Let alone, I I could never hurt my child. So I I don't, I don't understand this. And I, I think that that's part of the problem, Pamela, that when we hear stories like this. We look for the logic in it. We look, we look for the, we try to understand it. And, I, and I, I think it's safe to say there is no logic in this. There is no understanding. But I want to pivot a little bit. Because while this family is going through what they're going through, I thought it was interesting that, that and this is a great example of it, the types of things that police and firefighters have to deal with responding to calls like this and that everyone who responded to this call, a three-year-old, a two-year-old, a seven-month-old is affected by this. And, and they're, and, and let's be honest, they're going to be affected by this for quite some time. You can't, you're, you're inhuman if you're not affected by it. And that, that has a real toll Mm -hmm. on people. Yeah, most definitely. There's no no doubt about it. And it's one of the things that we're learning. We actually, we talked yeah. recently with uh, uh, um, Chief Kirkenbach of Phoenix Police Department um, about the, that they're starting to understand how repeated exposure to things like this, seeing the worst of the worst, 
not just hearing about it on the news, not just seeing the, 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 the helicopter footage over top, but being inside that home, being the person gathering evidence, interviewing witnesses or whatever. It has to affect you. You know, we, we, we've had conversations with folks within law enforcement that, that are working on that side of mental health, that are working on that side of support. And what I find interesting that they've uncovered is, yeah, th- that initial trauma of responding to this call and dealing with it. You know that those folks are struggling. Mm. It's pretty easy to identify. You saw this. That's going to mess you up. Let's get you the support that you need. But what they're also finding out are those that are constantly having to talk about it. So think about like the public information officers. The, that, the sergeant who yeah, we just heard from, yes. That, that are constantly answering questions from the media and reliving that story and telling it over and over and over again are being re-traumatized. Hmm. And when I heard that, I thought of you and I, because we constantly talk about the horrible stuff that happens in our community, in our country, in our world, over and over and over. And I have become aware over probably the last year or so how much of a personal toll that has taken on me. Mm. And I don't like it. And it's hard. And that makes stories like this very hard to talk about. And I go back a few years, Bruce. It was the summer. I don't remember exactly what year. My daughter was about five or six years old at the time. So we're looking about, you know, five, four or five years ago. She was doing camp, summer camp at at a gym. And I pick her up and I had a rough day at work. And as we're walking out of the gym, she looks at me and goes, Mommy, why do other mommies kill their kids? Oh, Oh my God. And I'm stopped in my tracks. Uh, yeah. And, and I looked at her, and my first question is, why are you asking? Mm-hmm. Because in my family, you can ask anything. And when a child asks a question like that, I want to know where it comes from, and it also buys me time to try to figure out how the hell you answer that. And what had happened is she was in the locker room of this gym, and all the kids were getting ready to go swimming, as you would in June in Arizona, and the TV was on. I don't keep the news on in my house. Yeah. I don't even have a cord. So we don't, I, I protect my child from the news that I cover every single day. And so I, now I'm forced into a situation. This was the mother up in North Scottsdale who stabbed three of her children oh, to death God, and hid them in the story. closet. Yeah, yeah. And I knew exactly what she was talking about because I spent hours on this program talking about it. Sure. And I actually learned something that day. And I think that it's beneficial in this conversation as well. And what I told my six-year-old daughter about why mommies kill their kids was that she has a mental illness. Now, is it diagnosed? I don't know. But let me tell you, same people don't kill their kids. uh, That's a fair fair point, right. So I went down down like, you know, in a a six-year-old mindset, and I said, because her mind isn't healthy. She has a mental illness. And Riley goes, well, what's a mental illness? I said, a mental illness is when you have a disease in your mind that at times means you can't make the right choices. And I said, now you need to know. Because, again, she's six. I'm like, you can't catch a mental disease. Okay? It's not in a contagion. Because now I'm thinking, like, okay, she's like, well, am I going to get get sick of this? And I looked at her and said, and your mom doesn't have one either. Because now every child is running it through the filter of, am I safe? Is my mom going to do this? 
And and I think that parents need to be aware of that when this story is going to be everywhere it's because a it's so story. it's so horrific, it's yeah. so traumatic, it's it's impacting the neighbors that like on the next door app were seeing that there was a situation, it was a drowning mm-hmm. call, and and they were just coming out to see if everything's okay. That neighborhood, that community, that family it ripples. The law enforcement, us as we're communicating it to our audience, like there is this collective trauma that happens, and you got to be aware that your kids are paying attention to that as well. That they are. Again, uh, sadly, we learn that uh, the three-year-old, the two-year-old, and the seven-month-old found unresponsive at the home last night. Uh, The mother, 22-year-old mother, has admitted uh, that she is responsible for their deaths. I do find it interesting that the father and they say another relative, adult relative, were in the home at the time. Um, The investigation continues. Um, There is no good answer. There is no good excuse. There's nothing that's going to make it okay, uh, but we continue just to pay attention and, uh, um, and and try to console ourselves as much as we can. And again, I think you make some great points that kids hear about these things. They ask questions. They don't understand. You it. have to be willing to answer. We them don't too. understand it as parents, uh, uh, no. as adults. And, we don't and get to it. answer that question for a six-year-old is yeah. extremely difficult. But here's my whole thing. Either you as the parent answer the question and fill in the blanks mm-hmm. or the kids will fill them in themselves. And chances uh, are when they fill in the blanks, yep. it's a lot worse than, than what the, the, their imagination. Yes. Absolutely. Um, question police. And I think, you know, this in most cases, they're not allowed to get into your phone. You're not, uh, you don't have to provide the contents of your phone to testify against you. But is there an end around? Is there a, not so secret way. Apple, if you've got an iPhone, iPad, etc., might be doing something you're not aware of. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. You know, I tend to like a lot of the parts of the Constitution, Pamela, especially the parts of the Constitution that say that uh, you have a right to not incriminate yourself. And when the founders of the Constitution came up with that concept, they also talked about things like your, your personal effect, your papers, right? Because back then, that's what, what you had. Well, nowadays, I think we can all acknowledge our personal effects, our papers, our files are probably a lot of them on our phones, oh, yeah. right? Totally. So that's why I think it's, it's a bit of news that today Apple announced they will not... N-O-T, not encrypt the backup you make on the cloud. On okay, iCloud. so ex- explain that to me. Why, why okay. is that significant? Break that down. So right now, um, if someone couldn't get into your phone, unlock it, the thumb, six-digit code, whatever it is, right? They have no way to get into that phone. They have no idea what's on that phone that may incriminate you. But if you have backed up your data to the cloud, you've backed up photos, you've backed up email, text, whatever it might be. And and it depends on what you choose. And you do have an option to choose it. I don't know how many people go through and actually figure out all these things. What Apple's saying is it will cooperate with police and give them that backup, even if they can't or won't get them into your phone. So it's like an end around. Like at the end of the day, they still got the contents of your phone. They just got it off the cloud and not off the phone. 
Yeah, you know, two years or so ago, Apple said that they were going to offer encryption on the the cloud and, and encryption yeah. on the cloud. Uh, they just came out and said that they're dropping that plan. And uh, the, part of the reason why is because the FBI is complaining. Now, the FBI has been, you know, going after Apple and William Barr, the attorney general, has been going after them as of late because of a shooting that happened down in Florida yes. and it was a terrorist attack and there were two cell phones and they couldn't get in to find out who else was involved mm-hmm. and if there were any other plans. But also San Bernardino a few years ago, right before oh. Christmas, you had the guy that walked into the conference guy room. Guy husband and wife, yeah, right? Yeah, and, and killed people. That was another situation yeah. yeah, where okay. the FBI wanted, wanted to get, to into, get the into the phone the and they, they wouldn't knew get it. in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we actually asked this, Pamela. On our totally unscientific poll of the day, Um, understanding that Apple announced they will not encrypt backups made to the cloud, which means law enforcement cannot access – if law enforcement cannot access the contents of an iPhone, in certain cases, they could go directly to Apple and see the contents of the backups that have been made. Our question on our totally unscientific poll of the day, should Apple protect your information on the cloud, which is, by the way, the cloud is just somebody else's computer. The cloud, as much as they protect the information on your phone. We gave you the option to vote yes, and then I put big brother after that, or no. What are you hiding? Where do you think the vote is? Ah, oh, geez. You always make me Where's do this. Vote, I should Where start actually looking before we get to this point. No, don't look. Uh, 60-40, big brother. 80-20, big brother. Yay, you people! I love it, because I'm right there with you. Yeah, 80% of you are a little uncomfortable with the idea that, uh, that that your backups to the cloud are not secure like your phone is. Well, if you're uncomfortable with that, just hold on to your horses, because I'm, you're really about to have, get I don't tense. have a horse. Well, you know what? Find one and hold on to it, because there's a new app out there that isn't available to the public yet, but the FBI and other law enforcement agencies are using it, and they believe it will be made available to you and I here sometime soon. It's called Clearview. Clearview. And the reason why we're talking about Clearview is, imagine this, Bruce. You are walking down Mill Avenue for some reason. You're Minding out there in Tempe business? doing your thing, and somebody takes a picture of you. They're like, hey, look at that handsome devil over there. <sighs> Click. Happens all the time. Right? I, I can only imagine. What they would then be able to do... Mm-hmm is use that picture in this app and quickly discover, hey, that's Bruce St. James, and he lives right here. Oh, and here's his phone number. And here are other Find out, like, all the Uh information that is attached to your name strictly off of a picture. That you took, yeah, that you upload and you take. So that you have control over, like, okay, well, I'm going to take a picture of this person, this person. Imagine going out to dinner. Like, I feel like I'd have to wear a mustache and sunglasses with my hair pulled back 24-7. You can sit there and take pictures of everything. How about this? So you're sitting at dinner, okay, you're over at uh, Seasons 52 at Biltmore. You take pictures using this app of a couple sitting there and find out they're not married to one another. Law enforcement is already using it to catch criminals. Well, that's what I want to find out. Who's married to one I'm another. sure you that's, would. I, I, that, that, yeah, that's, but if you think I'm, about it this way, the FBI, they've got a database that has about, oh, let's call it 650 million pictures of it. These are your driver's license, your passport photos, you know, like you mm-hmm. know, mug shots, whatever it may be. But what Clearview has done is it has really gotten all the photos, mined the photos, if you will, from Facebook, from YouTube, from Venmo, you know, where we post these things. And they now have a database that's three Billion, three billion, 
and they're using it. And, and I just think it's, it's one of these things. Again, what's the risk of technology? Does it far outweigh the possible benefit? Because I'm sure there are people going, as they did with the Apple iPhone down in Florida with the terrorists. Well, I'd want to know if there's other terror attacks happening. We, would, we always go to the worst case scenario. Right. But again, it's one of those situations of every single day, this could be used against you. Yes. Instead of on a rare occasion, it being used to benefit us. And I think that that's something that we have to be aware of because facial recognition technology is just the beginning. It's just a beginning. You know, there's technology out there that you can identify people at a distance by their heart rate, by their gait. No. And they have like this laser-based system. Cameras that have gotten so good, they can read fingerprints and your iris patterns from feet away. There's a whole surveillance mechanism that's out there that needs a lot of regulation, in my opinion. Ugh. All right. So uh, storyteller and workshop leader Lisa Lampanelli coming to the Mesa Arts Center this Friday, Saturday, to speak about her weight loss journey. Tickets on sale now, MesaArtsCenter.com. But uh, you can win a pair by visiting the rewards page at KTIR.com. Plus a grand prize winner. Going to get a meet and greet with Lisa at the show. Again, head on over to the rewards page at KTIR.com. Check the headlines coming up next. And then we want to talk specifically about you gun owners out there. Do you lock up your guns in the home? Follow-up question. Do you have children in your home? Maybe you're surprised how many of people don't. We'll talk about it next on Arizona's News Station. KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Get some perspective. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. So... Gun safety is a thing, and it should be. We know that here in Arizona, we have very lax gun laws. Not many of them, at least when compared to other states. Um, But there is something out there that, that I think there's a term called a responsible gun owner. And maybe the question, Pamela, is how many of us are actually responsible? Okay, well, define it for me then. What, what what do you define as a responsible gun owner? Or how do you define that? In, in the context of this, I, ca- I can acknowledge and understand that if you keep firearms locked up out of the hands of people that shouldn't be, be touching them, let's think of kids, right? There are but, a lot of adults that shouldn't be touching okay, them Okay, fair enough. Because, I wasn't I mean, going like, to go... Right. No, but I mean, in all, re- in all reality, if you don't know how to handle a gun and all you've seen is what you've witnessed in movies... You shouldn't be handling you shouldn't. a gun. You do not understand you don't have gun barrel safety, awareness, barrel awareness, you should, Exactly. Got it. So, is being a responsible gun owner mean you keep your guns locked up and uh, so that no one else can, can get to them? I think it depends. I think that there's I think it depends because you can make an argument either way in this. For me personally, I believe that I am a responsible gun owner. Uh I have taken the CCW course. Our guns in our home are locked up. Yes, all of them. Do you have a gun safe? I don't mean to ask. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And um, we got we got a couple. Okay. Um, And it's one of those things where I've I've got a I've got a kid at home, and she's ten. And we've talked about guns because here's the thing. A lot of my friends own weapons. I don't know 
the Second Amendment uh, viewpoint of every single one of her friends' parents. So I do as much as I can as a parent to protect her by having these conversations with parents, but also having conversations with my daughter, not to touch it, to get out of the room and to go tell uh, a a trusted adult. It's not a toy. Exactly. And that only goes so far, though. Like, you you know, you talk to your kid and think it'll never happen. But what about somebody else's kid that never has never had that conversation? Because I think there there is a, a solid argument to be made that if you are someone who believes you need a firearm for home protection. Yeah. And you also believe that because of that, you need to have that gun accessible, easily accessible, mm-hmm. uh, loaded, mm-hmm. uh, ready to go yeah. for the Intruder. 3 a.m. Yeah. Somebody kicks in your door. Sure. But you also have kids around that house. What is the bigger threat? How about this? When's the last time somebody kicked in the door at 3 a.m. as opposed to when's the last time kids got into something they shouldn't got into? Sure. And that's why. Yeah. And and that's where I come at with all of this, because we find in this new survey that was done by researchers at the University of Washington, they, they handed out one page surveys to gun owners waiting in line for free firearm storage devices at like gun safety events at sporting goods stores. Okay. Okay. And what they found out is that 40% say they have at least one firearm in the home that is not locked and secured. Hmm. 39% say they keep at least one gun loaded in their home. And 14% say they store all of their firearms locked and unlocked and, and loaded in their home. The big thing that jumps out to me is 40% don't secure them even if they have kids. That, that strikes me as th- you're going to have a hard time telling me you are a responsible gun owner if you keep loaded firearms around children. That are or not that, secure. That are not secure. The, 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 those two things, I don't know if they can operate in the same world. And Okay. Am I, I agree. am I being judgmental? No, no, I agree, because that's the filter through which I run it. And, and I know that there are others out there right now going, but what about the 3 a.m. intruder that kicks in the door? I have this firearm to protect my family. It needs to be it loaded. It happen. It needs to be easily accessible. And I don't have time to run downstairs to go to the gun safe in order to get it out. I hear that argument. I would just challenge you with, it, it, like, the most precious thing I have is my daughter, mm-hmm. okay? And her life is precious to me. And so I want to protect that. So there are devices out there, gun safes out there, that you can easily get into like, quickly. Like they, they use a fingerprint or, yeah. or easy code or something like that. Three, two, three-digit, four-digit code. And I come at it from the, if you have a firearm to protect your family then you need to protect your family all the time. And that's also by making sure that firearm is secure. We also talk, and I know it's an uncomfortable conversation, but it's one that I think that, that bears a little bit of, a, of acknowledgement that in Arizona, and especially in the East Valley, we've had a lot of conversations about teen suicide. You know what, yeah. is, what increases the risk of An suicide? Un- unsecured gun in the home. Yeah. Or accessible to a, to a, to a exactly. teen or a child. Yeah. No doubt about it. All right. Well, listen. Might be one of the reasons why you think we're going to heck at a handbasket. Pamela says she can restore your faith in humanity. That. It's coming up next on Arizona's News Station. Get some perspective. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. KTAR News on 92.3 FM. 
So the impeachment trial has begun in the Senate. The uh, House managers are standing up right now, and, and we're kind of at the debate over the rules stage still. And that's what we expect today, right, Pamela? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Um, you have both uh, Mitch McConnell made his case against having more witnesses in the trial, and Chuck Schumer responded. wants a trial with no existing evidence and no new evidence. A trial without evidence is not a trial. It's a cover-up. And and mm, but this is you're gonna hear, technically a trial. You're, you're going to hear like three words. You're going to hear witnesses. Mm-hmm. You're going to hear evidence. You're going to hear cover up. And maybe throw a hoax and witch hunt into it. Those Fair. those are the words that you need to be prepared to yes. just hear over and over and over again. Yeah, here, here. Are you a uh, a picky eater? Are you finicky? Mm, me? I know that I am. I know that I'm not. We put this up on the Facebook page. It's a picky eater test. Picky eater. Yes. And you basically get one point for everything you won't eat. And uh, we all three took the quiz. Okay, so quickly, if you're playing along at home right now, I mean, who do you think is the pickiest eater on the show? Bruce, Super Producer Stevie Z, or myself? If you guessed Bruce, you'd be correct. Yeah. By a lot. Like, it's not even close. How many, how many food items on there did you find that you wouldn't eat? 32. 32! Half! It was like half, right? Steve, how many did you have? I had 14. 14. And even still, I feel like there's a few in there that a, I, I could eat, but I don't want to. There's a total of 66 items on here. 32 of them I won't touch. Yeah, so you're, you're, you're pretty much half. What's now. your number? Three. Okay, hold on a second. Three. What are the three things on the list? And, and by the way, this this list has everything from ketchup and mayo to grapefruit and bell peppers. Well, you need one. By the way, one, I don't eat any of that. Mayo. I can't, you will not eat mayo. I can't stand mayonnaise. Oh, I love mayonnaise. No, I can't stand mayonnaise. I'm in the same camp. Can't do it. Uh, how really? about mustard? No, I'm a no on mustard. I'm a no on mustard. No on mustard. I'll do that. Yeah. And really? then the last, oh. I like the flavor. I don't like the texture of it. So of if you, you can like use it as long uh, onions. I oh, I onions. like onions. How can you not eat onions? I, don't, I just don't like the... I don't know. There's well, I mean, I like, like I'm not going to bite into one like an apple. No, I just I don't like... But I like, like chopped everything. onions or onion flavoring. No, I like no. onions. If you like grate it really... Sour cream and yeah, onion? that's fine. And that's fine. Mm. Like, I'll do that. Yeah. Like, I'll do that. But like other than that, no. They're on what? sandwiches. Yeah, I take them off. No, I won't have like chunky onions. I can't eat chunky onions. I don't, I, don't, I don't do them in salads. What are some of the things you don't eat? Really? You want to yeah. go through all of it? Blue cheese. Oh, delicious. How to last fungus. Night. There's a fungus there's in there. It's, On a steak? Oh. Yeah, that's actual mold. I won't eat it. Raw fish. Sushi? I'm a hard no. You got to do it. Yeah. Hard no on that. Delicious. Yeah, that's, that's not good. Oysters. Oh, yeah. And the half shell? Little lemon juice? I still do not Hot understand. Sauce. And I, I, I have this image. Who was the first guy or girl who, who pried open the oyster thingy, my boober, and looked at it and goes, oh, that looks good. Somebody who was that? hungry? They're hungry. I would eat the and shell before I ate that. It was delicious. Like it's the consistency of snot. Again, a good reason not to eat. I've never had it. I've it's really good with though. a little no. bit of ocean water. I've never touched it, and I have no intention it's of ever delicious. touching it. 
Yeah. And you can throw like eggplant in there. There's colors I won't eat. Purple is one of the colors I won't eat. I, don't I won't purple. eat eggplant either. Good I had an you. eggplant lasagna once. And most disgusting thing I've ever Horrific, had. Oh, right? You didn't have a good one. Here, then. here. Might be one of the reasons. You can take the quiz. Find out how many of these items you don't eat. And you, somebody beat my score. I oh, jeez. Somebody had a 35 on there. So I don't even, believe them. Yeah, and then, but then I saw somebody with a zero, and I'm like, well, who are you? Just a human garbage disposal at that point. <laughs> Might be one of the reasons why you think we're going to hang in a handbasket. Pamela says she can restore your faith in humanity. Yeah, you know what? i got to take you to New Jersey, and you're going to meet a six-year-old little girl who is now being credited with saving the lives of both her parents and her younger brother. So dad, uh, the six-year-old, and the two-year-old brother all had gone to sleep uh, Saturday night. Uh, Mom had come home from work and had fallen asleep on the couch, but early early in the morning, the little girl, Maddie, woke up because her, her throat and, and her nose and her eyes were burning. And that's because the house was on fire. When she woke up, she could hear the fire alarm go off, tried to run downstairs to wake up mom. Mom wouldn't budge, went back upstairs, woke up dad. Dad was able to get her two-year-old brother as well as her outside of the house and to safety. Dad then ran back in the home, was able to wake up his wife and their mother and get her safe outside as well. You have the fire department that obviously responded. The house is pretty much destroyed at this point. And they say that they are, you know, they are proud as well as the entire community. And we of this little girl who just did what she, you know, had learned to do and was able to to save her parents and, and her little brother. Wow. Wow. Great story. Restoring your faith in humanity. That's what Pamela does at the end of every show. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. We look through the double pain bulletproof class. We've got DJ Tommy Two-Tone, super producer Stevie Z, and of course, we've got Bob McClay over there. All six foot seven of them, for goodness sakes. Delivering news from a totally different altitude.